to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside, your weekly podcast covering the decentralized system of science and the Gridcoin protocol. I'm your host, Jay Ringo, joined today by I Like Chocolate and a whole slew of folks in here. Chocolate, give them your sexy voice. <laughs> so as uh, as the chat is rolling here, everyone else who hasn't here should know that you can join the discussion by joining the uh, Gridcoin Discord server. You can join the voice chat or the text chat. And today we are talking about people in hotels rooms and things that we're not going to say on the recording. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to do a little bit of Gridcoin news, and then there is a big discussion going on on the Gridcoin Reddit and on the Discord. It's carrying it through both uh, forums here. On um, Well, the Reddit title is called Vote Proposal, Mandatory Donations, and it's just an opinion poll going, wondering if uh, people want to uh, create a system, essentially a task tax system as it describes it but first the new the whole reason this thing has come up is because the beloved project that launched boink as we know it seti at home is shuttering its doors at least for a little while if not in perpetuity on march 31st it will stop sending out work units um there are several explanations floating around as to why i think the official ones and i haven't actually read any of this so this is all secondhand if anyone knows more please correct me but i think the official one is they have so much backlog of work that they have to um go back and analyze all the data that they've gotten from uh the crunchers sending you know getting work units, crunching them and sending them back. So they have back-end stuff to deal with. Other explanations I've heard uh, are money. It's very expensive to run SETI at home. We all know SETI is a huge project. Uh, SETI at home does a lot of work, has a lot of servers. They were started with NSF grant funding, and they haven't had that funding for over a decade now. Uh, There's also a new, um, what do you call them, radio telescope? A new doodad turning on down in Australia. That would just bring in a whole buttload more data from uh, a part of the sky that hasn't been observed quite yet. That is pointed towards the center of the galaxy. Pretty cool. But there's no money to get this stuff going. So those are the two explanations I've heard. Again, I haven't looked into this myself, so um, they could both be completely wrong. Maybe like a gopher got uh, loose in the server room and chewed through all the cords, and now it just smells like fried gopher. Before we move on, I will just say that SETI at home is the project that got me into distributed computing before I knew I was into distributed computing. (laughs) I ran their screensaver way back, way back. Uh, I was a wee lad. I think I was double digits at that point. 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, great time. Uh, and from there, you know, you joined, at least my story is I joined Steady, did Steady for a while, enjoyed the screensaver, dropped out of distributed computing for a while, came back, joined Steady again, and then found out Steady is now part of this thing where there's a whole bunch of other projects. So uh, if it weren't for Steady, and I know I'm not alone on this, uh, if it weren't for Steady, I would not be here. So huge, huge thank you for Steady. Uh, the team that has been behind it and been doing tons of work to uh, keep it running over the years, and especially David Anderson, who put the thing together in the first place, uh, got that original NSF funding and developed SETI into a Boink infrastructure that currently runs 30 some odd projects from around the world, from math to science, uh, all the different sciences, to sense of projects to whatever. Uh, it's a this thing is pretty cool, uh, and you know we agreed going here are trying to make it even cooler by bringing in some incentivization, bringing in some protocol uh, madness, and bringing in some blockchain magic. Who knows if we'll succeed as much as uh, Mr. Anderson did, but here's hoping, right? You can only hope to go forward. That said, and speaking of NSF, there's another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and this should be fairly brief. Feel free to jump in, though, if you want. 
uh, around the world, apparently, uh, and I can say this because who is Terrence Lee actually brought this up last week, which is this is just perfect timing. Uh, governments are starting to put money into distributed computing uh, in terms of grants and whatnot. So he was talking about uh, grants around where he lives coming out of government. He's like, hey, keep an eye out. Your government might start putting money into, <laughs> into distributed computing soon. Lo and behold, what is it now? Is it March 5th? So three days ago, I think. NSF released a call for proposals for grants having to do with distributed computing. They want to develop the infrastructure and application um, sort of backend behind distributed computing. So they want uh, security developed. So uh, companies and governments can put data into a distributed computing infrastructure and use the massive processing power that distributed computing brings and offers. Um, so you need to have secure systems for that. Uh, they want some other stuff. I have only read it uh, quickly, so I've not really dived into it, but I think it is if not directly up Boink's alley, well, it's 100% up Boink's alley. So if Boink was started by an NSF grant, maybe it can be taken to the next level with an NSF grant. But I think Gradecoin has a role to play as well. I think blockchain is going to be part of distributed computing in the future because of that security aspect. Uh, so if anyone is interested in this, I will have the link to the um, call for proposals in the description below. And get in touch with me directly on Discord, and we will talk... Uh, I think I think it would be cool to try to get a team together and at least put something together. I mean, come on, why not? What's the worst that could happen? They say no. What's the best that could happen? We save the world. No, Bill Nye, no one. I mean, it wasn't as Bill Nye as I wanted it to be, but oh, geez, what a crowd today. <laughs> All right, so let us talk about the uh, post here that I'll put in chat. Uh, also, in response to the now emojis, I will just say that's what I call music, volume 28. So basically, this person proposes making a protocol-defined uh, tax system. They don't really go into details on how it would operate, but the thinking, I don't want to say what they might be thinking, but uh, yeah, what do, what do people think about that? Mandatory taxes. I can read the comments to get stuff going if no one has opinions right off the bat. But So I, I, I have a mixed opinion about it. So the way the question was posed in the poll where they're asking for a mandatory donation to a specific project. I have a real problem. I think the the notion about uh, creating a mechanism where, the, say, a, a, a treasury or foundation could be funded, which could be which could use funds that are voted on by the community, is different to me, right? So I think I think to, to me that's my reaction to it. It's a matter of how it's structured and scoped, uh, and then you know how how what what the governance is over that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, I don't like this notion about requiring you know mandatory donations to a specific project as a hard yeah. nailed up rule. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well said. Uh, the well, does anyone else have any thoughts on this? Or I'll, I'll jump in and I've got a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, Netflix says, no, no, no. That's my opinion. No, no. <laughs> uh, okay. So we have someone saying here on XT in the chat here says there may be room for quote unquote taxes to keep the system running. Funding a project is a hard no for me. <laughs> Netflix adds, there was a third no, well, a sixth no, but flooding protection deleted it. So I, I apologize for misquoting the thing that didn't come through. It's no, no, no. That's my opinion. No, no, no. All right. Well, I will um, keep ideas coming in the chat. Otherwise, I'll, I'll get going. And someone feel free to cut me off whenever I say something stupid. So the... I feel like I say this every every episode, but the cool thing about blockchains with cryptocurrencies that operate in a permissionless way is that we're playing with money and incentives. We're playing with a currency protocol. 
And that is the base protocol of society. How is money made? Where does it go? And what is it used for? Uh, Not used for in terms of like buying bread, but used for in terms of like paying taxes. But okay, this might be difficult to explain. So like with fiat, because of the word taxes. So with fiat, the US dollar is the only uh, currency that you can pay taxes with. So everyone needs fiat. It's a demand. It's a utility. It's a direct utility. You can also use fiat to buy bread. Uh, with with U.S. dollars as a fiat, you know uh, these other emerging countries all have loans in U.S. dollars owed to banks that will only accept U.S. dollars for those loans. It's a debt system. So the U.S. dollar has value. That's its utility to pay back those loans. Those countries cannot pay back. Turkey cannot pay back its loans in lira. Uh, it has to buy, sell its lira, buy U.S. dollars, and then pay back its loan. Maybe there's other stuff it can do, but that's basic principle. You create a debt, and then you give out a currency uh, to um, sort of represent that debt. And the utility of that currency is that it pays back that specific debt. So when we're making new utility structures for currencies, there is only one utility for Bitcoin. There is only one utility for Gridcoin as it stands. Um, that is to be used to use the blockchain. The you, you only need the only reason you actually need Bitcoin is so that you can use the Bitcoin blockchain. In order to send a transaction across the Bitcoin network, you have to use Bitcoin. You can't use Gridcoin to use the bit to move currency or value through the uh, Bitcoin blockchain. Same thing with Gridcoin. That's the only utility for very many coins in this ecosystem. But you know, we live in this world of uh, programmable currency. So yes, Barton mentions atomic swaps. There are uh, people developing other utilities for their currency because we can program this stuff and we can make interoperability where you can use Gridcoin to uh, with the, interact with the Bitcoin blockchain. That's going to be a really cool future. But the base principle, like when Bitcoin first came out, when Gridcoin first came out, the utility, the reason it had value is because here's this uh, non-confiscatable, non uh, uh, wow. What do you call it when you duplicate something? Um, you can't print something. <laughs> you can't make a copy. Uh, and then you also have this immutable ledger. Here's this thing. And in order to interact with that thing, I have to have this currency that gets created when you make instill these values into the technology in the beginning. So it's a really, really cool, pretty system that's very difficult to explain, which is why it's very difficult to get into the hands of everyday people, for now at least. Counterfeit. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, right. So with that in mind, when we're talking about bringing utility to Gridcoin, yes, being creating avenues for people to use their Gridcoin to buy products would be really cool. It would bring a lot of visibility, like if you would all of a sudden buy from uh, like SparkFun with Gridcoin or something like that. But that's going to happen probably anyway. We don't need to really do anything for that. That interoperable future with atomic swaps, with all this madness that really, really smart people are developing is very likely going to happen anyway. And we're just going to have to integrate it into the Gridcoin protocol. We don't need to, I don't think at least we need to spend a lot of money or resources uh, developing that that stuff. What we're focusing on, what I think we should have focused on at least, is the scientific system. So where's the utility there? We talked about it a little bit when Goblin was here the other week. Where it's like, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, publishing articles, I think. And if we could create a system where, you know, you have to take a stake in the network with your grid coin in order to get published, uh, 
that's a utility for the coin. In order to interact with the Gridcoin blockchain, which maybe we've turned into a ledger of peer-reviewed articles, you have to have Gridcoin and use it in some way. Lock it up in a contract, actually send it across the network to someone, to a burn wallet or whatever. Uh, that would be really cool. And you can integrate that concept in many, many different ways. One of them could be the idea behind what this post is. I, I agree with Jim when I say, when he said uh, just uh, using funds to... Uh, fund a single project is uh, not fun, not a good idea. <laughs> but the idea behind what this person has brought up, I think, is uh, has actually an insane amount of value. It's a treasury system. So if you can uh, take money in from the protocol, uh, because again, you are minting your own currency, you're creating your own debt, just like the central government creates its own debt and throws out currency behind it, then you can throw that money anywhere. Throwing is a loose word you should use with fiat and not with cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is a permissionless system run by a whole buttload of people and ruled by computer code. So it's a little less um, free-flowing than throw. But we could have, we've talked about this before, fees. So we already have fees. The transaction fee, the thing where I have to use Gridcoin to interact with the blockchain, it's a fee. So it's a very small amount of Gridcoin to transact, and it varies based on a, a bunch of variables. But basically, let's just say if I want to send 100 Gridcoin, I have to spend uh, uh, one Gridcoin. It's much cheaper than that, but those are easy numbers. Where does that one Gridcoin go? Currently, it all goes to the person who was called stakes the block for that transaction. Uh, and that is because that person who staked the block is using computing resources and uh, opportunity cost, I think, is the other resource to stake that block. Uh, so in proof of work, in Bitcoin, it costs a lot more computing resources to uh, mine the block. So it, it makes a lot of sense to send a lot of that fee to the miner because they're actually running GPUs or ASICs or giant server, server farms. They have to cover that cost. The proof of stake, it really doesn't take that much uh, computing power. So uh, what if that one GRC that I have to, let's call it, inject into the network in order to send the 100 GRC, what if that one GRC is split up? So 50% of it goes to the person who staked the block. And then let's say 25% of it goes to a treasury. Uh, and that treasury is run by a, a system of rules that gets set up and it's like this governance system. Um, that's a very complicated part, setting up a DAO. Uh, but you could also say, Let's make it simpler. 50% goes to the staker, 50% goes to the treasury. But within that 50%, 25 of it must go to a development purse in that treasury. So uh, 25 of half is used for development. And then 10% has to go to marketing and outreach within that treasury. And then maybe 5%, let's just use the rest of the 10. Then the, uh, what are we at? 25 plus 10 is 35. And then the remaining 15% is used for something like what this person is proposing, where you fund science with it. So it goes to a, a funding or a grant section of the treasury. If you go back to the original white paper, way back before there was one approved by the network, there was a section called the Gridcoin Grant. This is, I think, the direction we want to go. So you have, you have a purse that anyone can come in and ask for money to do their science. They have to convince the network and follow the rules, whatever those rules may be. You know, there's a lot of intricacies to develop. But it's a permissionless grant system. We were actually talking right before the show uh, about the NSF funding and how it requires people asking for money to be certain people. You have to be a tenured professor. You have to work for an organization. You have to have all this stuff. And yes, 
the reasons they have those barriers of entry are valid. It's gotten out of control, though. The reasons are, you know, you, you have 15 people reviewing these articles, these proposals or whatever. And if you don't have those barriers to entry, you're going to get millions of proposals and you're not going to be able to read them all. So here's the barriers of entries to manage the system in which we live. Now with blockchain, we can develop a decentralized way of reviewing articles. So you won't need to have these barriers to entries. You could make a permissionless grant system. Um, I don't think that would be a bad idea. So it won't be the money going directly to SETI. Uh, it wouldn't be a tax for a project. It would be taking the fee and again, we've talked about this before, you can build on the fee economy. We can have MRC fees, uh, and that adds to the amount of fee the staker gets. Maybe that adds to the treasury. There's a whole bunch of interest, uh, intricate sort of levers you can play with here. Uh, you can have contracts like we talked about the other day. Uh, so there's a lot to play around with on the inside. But the basic principle is you take some money from the protocol, you put it into a treasury. All the rules are very clear and followable, and uh, you can change it through open source principles and through blockchain principles that we also talked about last week, where you change the code. And if people download the code, they like it. And there you go, you have your, your update. Uh, and then that money gets released in another way that we have to develop that's probably very complex, but it would work. So SETI, if they needed money, could say, hey, we're out of money. They come to Gridcoin, to the network. It's not an organization. So they don't approach me. They don't approach Jim. They don't approach anyone in the network. They approach the network and inject their proposal. Uh, maybe they have to lock up some funds in order to do that. And then if it goes through the process and it's approved, they get money. Uh, that, I think, would be a really cool utility for the coin people typing in the chat. Barton, I'll let you finish your thought, then I'll bring that in. Does anyone else have any thoughts? I will add that this doesn't just need to be used for Boink projects. It could be used for literally anything. We could fund any anything. We could fund a race, a foot race, somewhere in Tan Tanzania. Is that a place? Yeah. We could, <laughs> you know, when there's a outbreak of, uh, of, of a virus going around, you can fund that until that's settled. You can fund curing the virus, not the virus itself. Although, I don't know, is coronavirus asking for our money? But yeah, you could fund a cure and then afterwards shift funding to a different place. You know, you can change this stuff. Maybe at one point in time, the protocol really needs to hire developers in order to get something developed and pushed out. So instead of 25% going to development, it would be the whole 50% goes to development. The network would be able to choose. And then the development gets pushed out. And now we need to rethink sort of the roadmap, the principles, where we go in, what's the new architecture we want to develop. So take all the money away from development. We don't need developers anymore. We need sort of thinkers and organizers. So we put money there. It creates a dynamic economic system. It's pretty neat. So, all right, Barton is bringing up the idea of price in this. I, you are, he's correct. He says, no amount of tiny portion of daily mint would produce enough to fund a project that's absurd. The 40K said he supposedly needs would it be, that's 40,000 USD said he needs, uh, would be 15 million GRC. That's more than an entire year of GRC mint. Absolutely. So the idea here is more important than the practical reality we're living in right now. <laughs> so uh, the, the tech, the, the principle behind it, I think is very, very sound. How Gridcoin's uh, economics work in terms of mint of GRC and uh, emission rates and all that would definitely have to change. But also, as you bring value into the network, bring this real hard utility where you have to lock GRC up, you have to use GRC to transact give more reasons people want to transact. You add, you raise the price. So it's the difference between price and value. The value is real. How that translates might be different. I mean, look, we've, we've talked about this whole notion before about, you know, we can't use Mint, which is basically the creation of GRC out of thin air to fund everything, right? That, that That's not a real economy. 
So, I mean, and, and I don't know what we're going to develop, but we have to have GRC flows that are cross flows and inflows to make this real, which means that money is going to flow in the direction of funding projects, not just, you know, being generated and then funding projects. I mean, we can't, we can't use the mint as the sole source of funds, but everyone knows that, right? It's just, that's what we have now, but eventually we got to get to a place where we have a more complete, uh, call it a micro economy around this, uh, that, that's balanced out. Right, so uh, one Jay, thing, yeah. I think you'll agree with me, right? I mean, we can't fund well, everything out of the, out of the generated coin. So, yeah. And one thing that, that, uh, I sort of glossed over very quickly, but that would touch that or approach that solve that. I don't know. <laughs> one thing that approaches that or what you're talking about right there is um, so when we, I was talking about people wanting to publish articles, maybe in order, one of the rules we make in order to play in this network, you have to lock GRC up into a contract. So that means someone would need to raise an initial amount of funds, nowhere near the amount that's required right now, like the hundreds of millions of dollars or the tens of millions of dollars to do research, but a small amount of money uh, to buy GRC. And then that GRC, so there's buy pressure, gets locked into a contract. And then once it's in that contract, it's taken out of the circulating supply. So that adds uh, price value to the coin in two different ways. Someone bought GRC and then locked it away. So you have a network metric there. We have 10% of the circulating supply locked into research contracts. We have 10% locked into development contracts. We have 10% locked into publishing contracts. But on top of that, what can those coins be used for? Staking. So you can, there's, I think there are very uh, concrete ways of doing what you're saying, where yes, you would use Mint, uh, in the way I'm describing, where some of the uh, a percentage of the coins minted goes to a person contributing contribution to a project, a percentage of the coins goes to people uh, staking on the blockchain or uh, locking up coins to stake, which is essentially just a contract. It's the exact same concept, just given to publishing and research uh, fields. And then uh, you could have uh, a portion of the coins go directly to researchers or to a, a treasury, but you also have the fee economy where the more transactions you have on the network, the more fees get uh, injected into the network. And then those fees, a portion of them go into the treasury. So there's money coming into the treasury without minting it. It's already there. And then you have contract funding where people are locking coins up, which is it can either be an indirect or a direct way to fund. It's indirect because of the, what I said about network metrics and you have coins out of circulation and you have people, you've created a real hard utility where people must buy GRC in order to pay back a debt, similar to how uh, from the US, a foreign country must buy US dollars to pay back the US debt they have. It's the exact same concept. So there are multiple ways to do it. So I do agree with you. And those are a couple different ways but mint would be one 100 i think mint would be one it's just a matter of where we split it up <laughs> yeah and i'm not i'm not saying that mint isn't an isn't an important aspect it is it's just it can't be the sole aspect right it's a matter of degree there's only so much we can inflate the coin that way uh without having counterbalancing flows by the way i like your idea of time lock contracts for research or, or trigger lock contracts because that basically takes coins out of circulation right it's it's very similar to what we were talking about with voting the other day absolutely that's a Voting, I think, is a really is probably the first place we want to start with locking coins up for contracts. Just experimenting with it because it's simple. Uh, you don't need to do develop a peer review system for a blockchain. You don't need to develop a publishing system for a blockchain. Um, that would be really cool. And I want to bring in what Sharknado here says because it ties into what you're saying. So he's kind of joking. Uh, he says, "Stimulate the economy, print more money." Exactly. That's what we're trying to avoid. So there is that defined amount of GRC we mint a day. I've 
if we succeed, I have no doubt that's going to change, but it's going to change with a lot of intention. Last time it changed, it was to stop uh, a poorly thought out system from moving forward. The next one should probably be because we're implementing a well thought out, uh, or at least something we think is well thought out system. Um, but the point of blockchains and cryptocurrencies is that you cannot just say, stimulate the economy, print more money. You have, In order to do that, you would have to convince first a network of developers to implement that code, and then you would have to convince a network of people who run computers, essentially, to download that code. And that's very difficult to do, is why Bitcoin is very likely never going to change its economic, its base economic protocols. Whenever people try to change even a technical aspect of that economic protocol, the coin forks. Uh, so imagine if someone was like, we want to make it so there's 50 million Bitcoin instead of 21 million. Imagine how then uh, it would fork. It would definitely fork because uh, there are people who believe that you can't just print more money. You can't just dig up more gold. You can't just make more gold. You can dig up more gold. You can't just make more gold, though. Uh, so the it, it's not like we need to fund the stuff so print more money. It's we are printing a certain amount of money. We need to fund and we're, we're splitting that mint into four different categories. Let's call them A, B, C, and D. And at, uh, today, we need to fund D more than we need to fund A. So of the 100 grid coins that are minted today, let's send all 100 of it to D. Uh, and tomorrow, we need to fund A a little bit. So let's fund let's send 75 grid coin to D and 25 to A. Uh, and uh the day after tomorrow, we need to fund A, B, C, and D equally. So let's send 25 to each. So it's not that we're printing more money. It's that we're printing the same amount of money and changing where it goes very fluidly, making a dynamic system. So it's similar to what the government does with our taxes, uh, except we get to choose where that money goes. So there's ways to do it where it's like, okay, maybe 50% of the whatever, mint or fee, must go to the staker or must go to somewhere. And then the other 50% has to get injected into the network. Yes, we all agree on that. But the user gets to choose where in the network it goes. Maybe they want to send the other half of the fee or that stake reward or that that um, stake surrender, whatever you want to call it, to the staker. So they give the staker 100% of the GRC they have generated. Maybe they want to send whatever they have to inject into the system that's not already predefined to development. Maybe they want to send it to marketing. Maybe they would want to send it to their cousin Jim. But Jim has, oh, sorry to use you because you're actually <laughs> their cousin Jeb. Uh, because Jeb is trying to fund his research and uh, something or other. The the contract lock says you have to raise a certain amount of con funds from the community before your funds are released. Um, something like that. You know, so same, 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 but different. Catching up here on the chat, uh, the Weimar Republic was mentioned. So was Zimbabwe. These are runaway inflations. Um, <laughs> the U.S. was mentioned. The U.S. is doing it really intensely. So the U.S. is. I mean, does anyone have more any thought or more thoughts on uh, specifics with Gridcoin? Otherwise, uh, talk about uh, fiat and inflation and fiat systems because that's really fun. We got a little bit of time left. What, every 10 years, the U.S. prints 100% of fiat in circulation? <laughs> See, the question is, if that's the case, why? where is that inflation going? I'm a, of the belief that it's going directly into the stock market. And once assets and equities pop, it's going to flood into uh, actual goods and services. And that's going to be really, really, really bad. Uh, but basically, we're just printing money, giving it to really rich people who then buy stocks. And they don't spend it in the economy, which is why we're not seeing inflation rise when monetary inflation is going crazy. 
The shark says, the uh, Federal Reserve, the only place on the planet where billions of dollars can disappear without a trace. Ah, isn't it pretty? The thing that the U.S. is flirting with, and I'd like some of the concepts and behind it, but I just can't bring myself to like it itself, is modern monetary theory. Like, so it's the concept of debt and currency and how they relate to each other. But the the implementation of it is continue doing exactly what we're doing right now. So it's it's better than what we're doing right now. So what we're doing right now is the U.S. government, as, well, as far as I understand it, it acts as a uh, lender of last resort. So it prints money and gives it to banks and entities, essentially rich people, for very low uh, rates. Sometimes, uh, I don't know if the U.S. is at zero yet, but like they just cut the interest rate um, two days ago or something. So modern monetary theory takes that and instead of and turns it into a the government being an employer of last resort instead of a lender of last resort. So it would take the money and give it to people to spend. And the theory is that as long as you reach a certain equilibrium with unemployment, you won't see inflation and like goods and service inflation, not monetary inflation. So it would be very interesting to see. We did it in World War II, I think. Uh, with the New Deal, didn't we just print money and employ people? And didn't that bring us out of a depression? But I, I think it was a different time back then. Uh, Sharknado, yes, governments are the only entities that can get away with it. They have to be sovereign governments that run their own currency. That is key. That's why states can't just... Um, states have to balance a budget. The federal government doesn't need to balance a budget because it is the thing that creates the debt. You know, So uh, it can choose not to want people to pay their debt back it's called a um jubilee it's in the bible it goes way back it used to be that every time governance changed hands you had a jubilee and erased debt because if you didn't people <laughs> would suffer like debt is kind of meant to be erased every so often we haven't let a jubilee happen in quite a while barton's talking about uh the life cycle of a dollar bill the thing is that we haven't used like dollar bills for 50 years at this point ever since the 70s we've been transitioning into a digital dollar and we're very much a digital dollar right now we were talking before the show about fractional uh, reserve banking and it's, it's all it is is digital money you put a dollar in and that dollar turns into a hundred dollars instantly uh i should point out when we're talking about mt um uh, one of the um connections to modern monetary theory was the uh that amount of uh debt uh, grow because of uh, compounding interest compounding uh the amount of debt grows faster than the amount of goods that can actually needed what do you mean needed jubilee we haven't had one no i'm saying i'm saying uh this this was why it was done three thousand years ago i think it started babylon not sorry not but back in babylon um rather in babylon and um uh i'm not sure if they realize that the amount of debt grows faster than actual money but uh that's one that i'm saying that's one of the connections made now to like one of the th- things about mmt is like we if we owing money to ourselves is not a big deal right so where like it's right that's one of the main things that right it's like two-thirds of our debt is internal debt about a third of talking about u.s debt two-thirds of our debt is internal one-third of our debt is external we're paying an insane amount of debt over 300 billion a year i think it's nine percent of the federal budget but yeah that's noted thank you oh netflix cool cool statement so they're talking about uh Netflix says it's actually beneficial for the U.S. government to have debt up to a point it creates dependency on the dollar. So yeah, he's going back to what I was talking about where the U.S. government will loan out money to either a citizen or another government, and that creates dependency on the dollar. It will only accept repayment of that debt for a dollar. Uh, That's what we want to do with Gridcoin, sort of to start wrapping this up, except not the loan out money part. 
but make that utility part where our network, our protocol does something useful, publishing, uh, peer review, funding, um, voting, governance, that sort of stuff. That's the holy grail. You want to find value, things of actual value, uh, and bring them into a network, into a protocol. That's the difficult part. Uh, one of the difficult parts, and then tie a currency to it. So in order to vote, uh, you have to put coins into a contract, specific coins for that blockchain. You can't use another blockchain's coins, etc. Maybe in the interoperable future you can. That's a whole nother thing having to do with network faith and uh, etc. But the um, you have these things of values, and we require people to use Gridcoin to access these things of value. Uh, so. To clarify, if we have published, if we have uh, um, articles on the blockchain, it's not to access the article, it's to publish on the blockchain. You have to present a stake in the network. Uh, and that can be used to mitigate bad actors, uh, to stop spam on the blockchain, uh, a bunch of stuff. So to bring this all the way back to the original post about should we tax people to pay for a SETI at home? I think the general consensus here is no, we haven't heard anyone who's like, yes, this specific post is a great idea, but we have heard from uh, me and Jim, and I don't know if anyone else here also agrees with us that the sort of the principle behind it, the idea of using money in some way, not just from Mint, but from Mint and from fees and from stake, uh, I can't say steak without thinking of Goblin making a cow joke right now. I'm tearing. Uh, but using the money to uh, fund projects is not entirely out of the question. Uh, so if anyone has any more thoughts on that, speak now. Or I'm going to kick Craig out of here. I'm going to catch up on chat for a moment here. All right, cool. Then we will wrap this up. As people are saying in the chat right now, this is an incredibly complex issue. It's currency and money. And currency and money are very complex things. Uh, and when you can program currency and money to do stuff, oh geez, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. But this is what we're working on here. This is the decentralized system of science. Getting the scientific system into a network, into a protocol, tie it to currency, make people do cool stuff, play with incentives, uh, and then also tie it into distributed computing. Because, um, for example, with this NSF grant that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and we linked in the description here, they're asking for the technical part, but it's a distributed computing platform. You're going to need the computers to run the computations. Sure, you might have a closed infrastructure where it's only server farms and institutions donating computing power. But, oh, man, we've already seen and talked so many times about how beneficial a system, a permissionless system like Boink is. So we, I think, I believe strongly that we want both systems. We want a permissioned system, just like we want permissioned blockchains doing their thing where they're useful. And we want permissionless systems where anyone can access it, anyone can build a project in it, anyone can contribute to it and learn about science. We need both. So come into Gridcoin. If you listen to this and you're not here already, we're a cool bunch of folks. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that about ourselves, but whatever, do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next Thursday at 8 p.m. EST on the uh, Gridcoin Discord server talking about more cool stuff. I'm going to end with this this thought right here by someone in the chat, Trek NATO. He says, it's his mic drop too, he says drops mic. Solve the money problem, the rest trickles down. Amen. Mm -hmm.